Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Tuesday, July the 17th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, this is our first day, Cindy and I, doing the afternoon podcast. We did the morning podcast this morning, but uh, she's now my new af- Tuesday afternoon co-host. So I'm, I'm glad that we're doing it three times a week now, Cindy. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a very yeah. good thing. Even if we did get started a little bit late today, but that's okay. That was my fault. <laughs> but, but we're uh, here now. So we're here. We're ready to go. Yeah. We're ready to rock. And we hope everybody's having a, a really good day. Actually, I'm having a good day in one sense, Cindy, because we have uh, thunderstorms coming through the area. And we very briefly flickered the lights and lost power for a moment about an hour ago. So I was wondering, geez, are we going to be able to do the podcast today? But oh, wow. Fortunately, <laughs> that, shit, that uh, little uh, thunderstorm show has past us by now it's a little oh, wet good. outside but uh, I, I think we're past the worst of it so we'll just keep uh thinking great thoughts about the power staying on yes it's no fun when the power goes out yeah among other things you can't do the podcast <laughs> <laughs> i guess right. it could be fun if you lost power you know but it's it's there for, there are a lot of reasons why it's not especially if you live somewhere where it's swelteringly hot and you need air conditioning or mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're doing a podcast and you oh. need power oh yes yeah. yes and especially when you're doing uh putting together payroll and you got a whole bunch of people expecting the payroll to be done and you need the computer with the internet access to complete it it becomes really <laughs> critical yeah, on that time <laughs> <laughs> so was your power out for very long no no, no it was just a, a couple minutes or so but it was enough to knock the modem out. So, of course, the modem takes five or six, seven minutes to, to reboot itself. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. Well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a good day, too. I mean, I, we haven't talked since this morning, for God's sake. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's been a good day around here. I, I can't say that I've been um, especially productive, but it, I always feel like that when I'm in the brainstorming part of something that I'm working on. I have to remind myself that that's all a valuable part of the process as well. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, it's very important. We talked about that this morning, the difference between doing and being. Right. Or we talked about it yesterday. I can't yep. remember when we talked about it. But um, but that being... Doing and, go ahead. Doing and being. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's so easy to feel non-productive if we're not doing something. But I think that the... The being part of the process is just as important. Well, it is for me today. I mean, because I have to say, I've been doing a lot of doing since we did the podcast this morning. So I could use some being time. It would be a nice nice shift for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Today's been a doing mode and, and not all of it fun doing. So yeah, I like the being part. So welcome to the being part. And we hope that you, you uh, enjoy the show. We're going to continue talking about uh, the book that we talk about during our Tuesday and Wednesday morning podcast. Mainly because that's the one that we've been doing all along. We know that one, and and plus, I don't want to take a take the other book away from Wendy because she and I have almost worked our way through it. It'd be a shame to just like take the last few chapters away. So we're not going to do that. That wouldn't be fair. Oh, so you're almost to the end of that one? Yeah, then. we're moving yeah. pretty. We're pretty well almost through. We're like uh, I'd say like ninety percent through. Maybe let's see. We're on page one seventy two, and it's a total of uh, hundred one hundred and ninety two pages. Yeah, so I mean, it's nearly done. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want to swoop in and, like, make the touchdown after everything. <laughs> so hard to get the touchdown. I love it. Yeah, it's about 90% <laughs> done. So, yeah. 
it's been good. And I'm glad that we're uh, through it, but I'm also glad that we spent time on it because there's been a lot of good stuff in all of these books. And uh, no less the exception here with uh, this particular book, particularly because of the title, which we, you know, we talked about this morning. The title is Money and the Law of Attraction for this particular book. And yet, what is it, like one-fifth of the book is literally about the money part? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, seriously. Like one one section yeah. is about money. But the thing that's so interesting to me over and over, I mean, every day when we read whatever sections we read and we kind of pick it apart and discuss it, is always that idea that everything's connected anyway. It is. We're, we're holistic beings, you know. I think that's... I think that's one of the problems that we run into with just traditional, you know, medicine is that we kind of pull everything apart. Well, I have a problem with, you know, this organ or this system or this part of my body. And we can't just pull ourselves apart like that. Everything's connected to everything else. And so it's kind of like, you know, you hear people talk about bringing their work home with them. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, whether you want to or not, you know. <laughs> True. Your relationships affect your work and your work stress affects your body and, you know, everything affects everything else. So I think that's one part of this book that's been really clear is how even though we've gone from, you know, they divided the book mm -hmm. into part one and part two and part three, but it's easy to see how everything starts connecting. Yeah. Connectedness is, is really big. I, I'm sure there are people who would love it if we didn't have to deal with that connectedness so much so for instance if your knee is bothering you you just go to the knee store and swap out another knee you know when you're done <laughs> well you know I, I know someone that's in surgery today oh getting, really getting vertebrae replaced oh, with geez. titanium vertebrae wow yeah. and yeah. so yeah so, sometimes we do go get a part swapped out <laughs> literally I, right? I, I, I thought i was making a joke but that's no joke that's serious surgery yeah, yeah, serious. So sending good vibes uh, her way today. Absolutely, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll just hope and, and think that everything's going to work swimmingly. And when she's all done, she'll be the titanium woman. <laughs> it's like that. Um, it's like the, the $6 million man or right? the bionic woman, right? Yeah. We can rebuild her. We can make her better. <laughs> yeah. Hope so. Hope there's... Uh, more more strength and less pain when the, when it's all said and done. That's right. That's right. That's the main thing. So let's see. We are are we up to the section? I'll relax and sleep myself into well being. Is that what you have us at? Well, you know what's funny is when we when we ended the last section, um, we yeah we we ended at the end of a page, and I use these little like post it flags to keep track of where we are. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is that I grabbed one this morning and when we got done with the page, I stuck it on the next page without looking. <laughs> and so I had no idea where we were as far as the subtitle. And when you said, I'll relax and sleep myself into well-being, it almost <laughs> made me laugh because I was like, really? Is that what it's, <laughs> is that what it's called? I will relax and sleep myself into well-being. I mean, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I mean, it's either that one. I, I'm honestly actually not really sure which section we're on because I no, didn't mark exactly, it correctly. That's exactly where we are. That is it's the like right I one. Said, yeah, I put the marker on the page at the top of the page without looking at the page. So okay. when I opened it to see, there's my marker right there. And it says, I'll relax 
and sleep myself into well-being. Okay, good. Well, then I got the right one. That's good. Because I honestly wasn't sure if, if we had finished the other one, which was how can I influence all toward maintaining health? I, I kind of recall that we did that one, but I wasn't 100% sure. So good. We got the right one. That's the main thing. Yeah, we did that one. And, and that one was um, very, very interesting. And relaxing into well-being, sleeping ourselves into well-being seems really interesting to me too. And part of that is, you know, I used to have, you know, we talk about before we really knew about deliberate creation, kind of like the mindsets and the beliefs that we had. And I didn't realize until much later, but for a long part of my life, I think I was kind of judgy around anything that looked like relaxation or, Hmm. you know, really laziness. Oh, okay. And and I don't know where that, like, I don't know where it came from looking back, but my family had a really strong work ethic. That was probably part of it. Um, But I was up at 5 a.m. every day. And one of those people that like to say I could get more done by nine in the morning than most people got done all day. (laughs) Um, But eventually that, does not tend to well-being um after years and years and years of you know thinking i really thought i only needed five hours of sleep a night Ooh. and i would say that oh i, I only need about five hours of sleep you know i'm to bed be- right before midnight and up at five and that's the way I, I was and then until i wasn't until it caught up with me mm. and what i realize now is that a lot of that was just adrenaline so Looking at this and saying, sleeping myself into well-being, I think I've sort of done some of that. <laughs> uh, well, as a way of catching up. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abraham says, your natural state is one of absolute well-being. You do not have to fight anymore against illness. Just relax into your wellness. Put yourself in your bed tonight, and as you are going to sleep, feel the wonderful comfort of the bed beneath you. Notice how big it is. Notice the pillow beneath your neck. Notice the fabric upon your skin. Give your attention to things that feel good. For every moment that you can think about something that feels good, you are cutting the fuel to that illness. In every moment that you think about something that feels good, you are stopping the illness from going forward. And in every moment that you are thinking about the illness, you're adding a little more fuel to the fire, so to speak. As you're able to accomplish holding your thoughts on something that feels good for five seconds, then for that five seconds, you will stop feeling your illness, fueling your illness. As you accomplish it for 10 seconds, and then for 10 seconds, you've stopped fueling the illness. As you think about how good you feel right now, And as you think about your natural state as a being of state of wellness, you begin fueling your wellness. You know what that reminds me of? What's that? Have you ever heard these stories about somebody that the doctor tells them that they only have like a month to live? Yeah. So they just start doing all the things. Oh, right. You know, right. They plan a trip and they, I don't know, learn how to do some thing they've always wanted to learn and they get completely focused on other stuff. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. And then they go into remission or whatever. Yeah. Or if it's a, I mean, if, I, if it's a movie, they were misdiagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I've heard several people tell their story 
and about how, you know, seven years ago, the doctors told me I only had two months to live. And, you know, and part of that's got to be that at some point they stopped focusing so much and just decided to really focus on other things, learn new things, enjoy life, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of interesting about that. It's true. How much, I- how much focus we can put on our illness when we're ill. Well, th- there were actually two things that I reacted to as you were reading it. The first one was, as you were reading the first paragraph, I almost fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, you're talking really? about put yourself in your bed, and as you go to sleep, yeah. feel the wonderful comfort of your bed, and I'm going. <laughs> I, maybe I was using my hypnotism <laughs> voice without knowing it. <laughs> so that was the first point. And, and then I had to kind of you know wake myself up again and catch up to where you were. The, the second point, though, was where... Uh, I think it was the second paragraph. He said, as you are able to accomplish holding your thoughts on something that feels good for five seconds, then for that five seconds, you will stop fueling your illness. And that's also true for an injury. As I discovered this past spring, when I was in some pretty chronic knee pain, one particular day, especially, and I decided to use that opportunity, I thought of as an opportunity, which was pretty good all by itself. (laughs) But I I decided to use that opportunity to see, could I focus my attention on something other than the pain? Because the pain was pretty predominant. You know, it it was really strong in my mind. And I did notice that, you know, by taking my attention off that knee and putting it onto the healthy knee and just really, really focusing hard for that. Actually, it wasn't five seconds. The first time was like for about a second. For that second, the pain in the left knee went away. And then something would grab my attention back to it. And it was, it was like snapping back. And all of a sudden, the pain just snaps right back into place. And then I would try again. And this time, maybe I might make five seconds. And then it snapped right back. So when they were reading, when you were reading that, when, when they were talking about that, I said, whoa, I've done that. I know what that's like. And I think it's probably true. For, those, for that one second, for that five seconds, for those 10 seconds, I had actually stopped fueling not only the pain, but also the injury in the knee. And the reason I think that is within a day or two, I had managed to completely reverse all that pain. That's amazing. And, you know, it reminds me of often we hear the word in in these readings, we hear the word momentum. Mm -hmm. And this morning we were talking about that, about how continually thinking and focusing on certain things and or worrying about certain things or whatever, that we're building up momentum. And we were talking about hitting the brakes. Right. right. And that's what this reminds me of. They're using the word fuel on the fire, but it's like the gas pedal. It's like when you're trying to get momentum, that's the last thing you want is to have to hit the brakes. Right. Mm-hmm, it's true. like, oh, I have slowed me down. But when but when you don't want that momentum, like thinking about an illness every five seconds that we're not focused on it, that's momentum that we're actually losing, which is a good thing. in this case. Yeah, right. Well, that's just it. It's a question of what it is we want. Do we want to have it or do we not want to have it in our lives? And it's an important distinction. It seems silly to say that. We know. Do we want it? Don't we want it? Of course I know which I want. I want that and I don't want this. Very simple. Yeah. But it's amazing how easy it is to get tripped up on which way we're thinking about it, which way we're focusing on it. Which side are we looking at? Are we looking at the part that we don't like or are we looking at the part that we want instead? Because I'll tell you, I continue to be amazed how often we look at the stuff we don't want. How often we focus on the stuff we don't want and even talk about it to our friends. Well, well, or even how often a conversation, how, how we think we're talking about the things we want and how easy it is for it to flip over. And we're actually beginning to talk about the lack of that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, that happens a lot in conversations where we start out in a place of dreaming big and then, you know, that logical brain comes in and wants to talk us out of it. And suddenly we're talking about why it hasn't happened yet, why it probably will never happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I, I noticed that flip in conversations a lot and well, sometimes it, you the same have thing to bring it back around. Sometimes you get the same thing in other environments. Like how many times have people had in a work environment, in an office situation, they've had a conversation, you know, so, so how do you like the new job? Oh, it's great. It's not like the old one where all I was doing was doing all these tasks I didn't like, and I really hated the boss and I disliked this and I disliked that. And in other words, that's the best they can say about the new job. (laughs) Well, that happens. I've, I've heard that a lot in conversations where as a coach, where I'm asking someone what they want. Yeah. And they say, I want this. And if I ask them, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what would, what would that be like? And they start to describe it. And then all of a sudden they're describing what things are like now. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, it's like, oh, the new job's great. You know, it's not like the old job where blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, wait, let's stay focused. So this cool. next section, I think really talks to this, speaks to this. Do negative emotions indicate unhealthy thoughts? Good point. Good question. Abraham says, as you think thoughts of illness, the reason you feel such negative emotion about it is because that thought is so out of harmony with your greater knowing that you are not resonating with who you really are. The negative emotion that you feel in the form of concern or anger or fear about your illness is your real indicator that you have put a very strong restriction on the flow of energy between you and who you really are. You said something about this last week. Well, you said something about the rest of me. Right. Yeah, that's my favorite phrase for describing my inner being. Yeah, it's like between the thoughts I'm having, you know, the, the difference of the thoughts I'm having between me and the rest of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I love that. <laughs> what does well, the rest of you think about this? It's yeah. a reminder. It's a reminder to myself, really, that... I, I mean, I can call it my inner being. I can call it God. I can call it source energy. I can call it all kinds of things. But that part that I'm of it that I'm communicating with, that's really part of me. Right. And if I remember it that way, now I don't, now it's a lot less likely I'm going to quote disconnect unquote from that part of me because why would I want to disconnect from me? Yeah. And it's such a good reminder that it's all you. Mm hmm. Yeah. Your wellness comes forth as you allow the full flow of non-physical energy from your inner being. And so as you think, I am well, or I am becoming well, or I am whole, it is my natural state to be well, those thoughts vibrate in a place that is in harmony with that which your inner being knows to be. And you receive the full benefit of the thought energy that comes forth from your inner being. Now this part is also all in italics. Every thought vibrates. And so focus upon thoughts that make you feel good, which will attract others and others and others and others and others until your vibrational frequency will raise to the place that your inner being can fully envelop you. And then you'll be in the place of well-being and your physical apparatus will catch up very quickly. It's our absolute promise to you. You may begin to watch for dramatic physical evidence of your recovery, for it is law. 
And as you read that, I was thinking about all of the different people, including myself, not so much in the recent past, but in the distant past, all the people who say, well, okay, that's all well and good, but when I'm feeling sick or if I'm in a bad place, the last thing I'm able to do is to find my good feeling place. I just can't seem to get there. And it, it's really crazy for me to be trying to do that because every time I try, I'm just thinking about you know this miserable place I'm in. Well, you know, at the beginning of the second paragraph, when I started reading, your wellness comes forth as you allow the full flow of non-physical energy from your inner being. And so as you think, and it had some statements that you may be, that they're encouraging us to think, Mm -hmm. uh, I am well, or I am becoming well, I am whole. It is my natural state to be well. When I read that I am becoming well, I thought about the idea that we've spoken about lots of times, but the reminder that our body's propensity is toward health. We've all gotten a scrape or a scratch and watched really within minutes or hours or the next day. It's, it's healing up. Mm. Yep. And we don't do anything to, to, we don't have to, it's like the way we don't have to be conscious about take a breath. Now breathe out Now take <laughs> a breath in now breathe out. I mean, thank goodness. Right? Yeah. None of us make it. Um, generally speaking, we get a scratch or a scrape and without any conscious effort on our part, it starts to heal itself. And what I thought about is that every time I've reminded someone about that or reminded myself Mm. about it, it's always felt better when someone is speaking with me and they're feeling those difficult emotions, like it mentioned feeling anger or fear or concern because their physical body is not at the state of well-being that they want it to be. Anytime I've brought up the fact that our body is always healing, I always notice a sense of relief for them, which tells me that it's resonating with their inner being. Mm. It's a thought that helps them feel better. Yeah. It might not relieve pain to have that thought. Maybe it will. But it definitely, emotionally, it's a better feeling thought to say, you know what? Your body never stops healing. It's always healing itself. Its propensity is toward healing. It wants to heal. It knows how to heal. It's always moving in that direction. The other factor that I realized needs to be part of the discussion is... We have to be willing to try. I mean, I think there are a lot of there are a lot of situations where you know people are dealing with often very difficult things. You know, chronic pain, uh, feeling really, really sick if you're if you're ill. I mean, when when you have those experiences, they can seem overwhelming, mm-hmm. and they can seem impenetrable. And even the idea of just reaching for a little bit better feeling thought can seem overwhelming. And yet. What I learned through that experience I had a few weeks ago with my knee and some other experiments that I've tried, the key element is you just have to be willing to try anyway. Even though you don't think it's going to work, even though you don't think it, you're, you're going to be able to get there, you just try anyway. You just do your best and you focus as well as you can and you try anyway and you don't worry about the fact that you didn't get there the first time or even the second or the third. But what I found is if I just became determined and said, you know what, I'm going to try anyway. I don't really know how to do this, 
but I'm just going to try anyway. That's when I was able to succeed. That's mm. when I, I was able to actually blank out for a second on the fact that I felt pain in my left knee. That pain that had been just you know, hammering away for one split second disappeared just because, against all odds, I tried anyway. And surprised myself. <laughs> <laughs> I well, was really and, and surprised. Again, again, you know that it it remind it always reminds me of actually any time we're trying to hone our focus towards something specific, like feeling better, being well, whatever it is we're trying to create. It always reminds me of the idea with meditation, where we have to keep bringing ourselves back into the present moment mm -hmm. and our mind drifts and we bring ourselves back and our mind drifts and we bring ourselves back. Yeah, it's the yeah. same thing with what you were doing with your knee. Mm -hmm. You feel the pain, you focus on the knee that's not feeling pain. All of a sudden the knee that's feeling pain starts screaming louder at you and you go, what? And then you turn your head back, you know, you start focusing back on the lack of pain or on feeling better. It's kind of like over and over and over and then you realize that that gap, that gap in between the pain and not feeling pain gets wider and wider. Mm -hmm. And, and that, then like well, your amazing thing that experience is, is it's, you started healing. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well that, that's what I wanted to lead up to because uh, like you were saying, you said it beautifully. Once I tried, once I actively got myself to have some kind of, of a, um, a, a result a result in the sense of for, for some split second, the pain was gone. Once I got that, and I, I did a few times, an interesting thing started to happen. I started to get pissed at the fact that I, I was being snapped back to the pain. I start, There was a piece of me that just became like you know, digging my heels into the ground. No, you're not going to pull me back there anymore. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I just became determined. Like, no, I, I just found a way out of the pain. You're going to pull me back? No way, Jose. That ain't happening. <laughs> and, you know, that makes me think about how much of an energy drain is chronic pain. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a big energy drain, Huge. right? And the more you pointed your focus away from it, uh, the less of an energy drain it was. And so what happens is you begin to take back some of your energy, if you will, and you get a little stronger. It's true. And it shows up in your thought process of like, yeah, yeah no way, Jose, I'm not, nah. Mm -mm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In fact, to, to take it also a step further, not only was there greater energy that came out of it, but at the time that I was doing this, I was also using, you know, quote, practical, unquote, remedies. I, I had ice on my knee to bring swelling down and so forth. Mm -hmm. And that's when I noticed that not only was the uh, the ice helping, but I was getting my greatest amount of flexibility in the knee in a very short period of time when I was simultaneously trying to almost wrench my attention away from the pain and focus it instead on feeling good for whatever split second I could pull off. That combination, I believe... The ice and my mind focus combined to give me greater flexibility in my knee right immediately than I would have had without with, with just the ice. Definitely. Hey, I, I say use everything you can. Yeah. So, but use it. 
do it. Don't just don't yeah, just yeah, yeah. Don't, just don't just say just, you're going to use it or hopefully use it or maybe use it or kind of use it. Use it. <laughs> well, we've said that over and over. Like we can, we read all these books and we have all these tools, but we actually have to put them into practice for them to work. We can't just know about them, which is so right? annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry has a question next. Okay. Well, let's see. The topic here is: To what degree can I control my body? Well, hey, Jerry, I got a few ideas for you. <laughs> Jerry says, "Well, the subject is perspectives of health, weight, and mind. How can I get there and stay there?" I see an absolutely overwhelming number of people who are concerned about the state of their weight and their physical and mental health. And because of the amount of attention to physical health failures, I understand why people are concerned. I mean, as a kid, I had the good fortune somehow of realizing that I was in control of my own body. I recall when I was about nine years old going to the county fair carnival where two professional fighters would take on all comers. In other words, any of the farmers around there could pay to get into the boxing ring and fight them. And if the farmers could beat those professional fighters, they'd win money. But the farmers always got beaten to a pulp. I don't know why anyone would do that, but that's another story. <laughs> me either. <laughs> I don't want to pay somebody I mean, to beat me up. <laughs> I'm, I'm six foot eight, which generally means that I, I'm intimidating and I don't want to be a part of that. Forget it. I'm not interested. <laughs> But anyway, it goes on saying, I remember standing in this little canvas tent lit by kerosene or gas lamps, and I can recall watching the lights flickering on the sweating back of the professional fighter, and I was just absolutely entranced with the fact that his backbone was hidden between two beautiful muscles running down his back, whereas mine was more like our Arkansas State mascot, the Razorback Hog. <laughs> <laughs> He is. He's great. In other words, my backbone stuck way out and had no muscles around it while his was beautifully embedded where I couldn't even see it. <laughs> I so enjoyed observing those beautiful back muscles. I really appreciated what I saw that day. And within about eight years, the muscles on my back did look like that. And so from that experience, I realized that I could create my physical body. You know, I've always wondered about that because ever since I learned about the law of attraction, I figured, well, if you can attract stuff, why do you have to go to the gym, for instance, to attract the muscles? I mean, Joel would kind of laugh at me for saying that because he's a big gym guy. but And he's a big guy, too. <laughs> but nevertheless, in theory, it occurs to me, well, you should be able to attract that. And apparently, he did. Jerry did. So I'm curious to know. I hope he tells more of the story. We'll see. It says, as a result of the extreme ill health that I experienced as a child, I learned somehow to be able to control my own health. I experimented with doctors a few times, but their diagnoses and treatments were mostly always wrong. <laughs> oh, jeez. And so it didn't take me long to realize that I'd be better off staying away from doctors because I couldn't find one I could count on to be right. They were nearly always wrong when it came to helping me, so I decided I'd be better off just handling my own body. Well, yeah, if you have that experience, I guess I understand why <laughs> you would do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I still find myself thinking a little bit about how my body is going to hold up and what my future condition is going to be. Will I be able to, as I say, maintain this perfect state of weight, health and mind? I feel I'm there now, but I'm at the point of sometimes wondering, will I be able to always stay there? And so I'd like you to address that general subject. And Abraham says, we are appreciating the combination of words that you have put there for your body and your mind are forever connected. Your body is responding to your thoughts continually 
in fact, to nothing else. Your body is absolutely a pure reflection of the way you think. There is nothing else that is affecting your body other than your thoughts. And it is a good thing that at an early age you prove to yourself that you did have some control over your own body. When you consciously acknowledge the absolute correlation between what you are thinking and what you are getting, you can then eventually, under all conditions, control your own experience. All that is required for you to get only what you want versus getting some of what you do not want is to recognize that the control that you seek you already have and then to deliberately think about things that you want to experience. Thoughts of decline always feel bad because you do not want decline. So utilize your guidance and choose good feeling thoughts and you will have no reason to worry about moving through time. Really, it is simply a matter of making the decision. I want to acknowledge that I have the only and the absolute control of my own physical apparatus. I acknowledge that I am a result of the thoughts I think. The day you were born, you possess knowledge, not hope or desire, but deep understanding that your basis is absolute freedom, that your quest is joy, and that the result of your life experience would be growth. And you knew that you are perfect and still reaching out for even more perfection. Hmm. Boy, that's got mm. a couple of really interesting and useful phrases in it. I, I want to kind of co-opt that first one that says, I want to acknowledge that I have the only and the absolute control of my own physical apparatus. I just want to change that to body. <laughs> physical apparatus. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a jungle gym. <laughs> and I acknowledge that I am a, as a result of the thoughts I think that I am as a result of the thoughts I think I, I am in control because of those thoughts. Well, that that's a great thought just needs to be, you know, tweaked English wise a little bit, but otherwise it's a great thought. <laughs> well, I think it's really interesting at the beginning of that section, your body is responding to your thoughts continually. In fact, to nothing else, your body is absolutely a pure reflection of the way you think. Um, you know, that's a little bit, hard to fathom because does that mean that our body nothing else affects us the habits we have the foods we eat the physical exercise we partake of that's what it sounds like they're saying well i would say more precisely only responding to our thoughts i would say more precisely all those things affect us because we think they do <laughs> and the reason I say that is this kind of ties in, of course, all their books kind of tie together because they're, they're, they're just going over the same subject in a variety of different ways. But the book that I've been going over with David Barkey, The Astonishing Power of Emotions. Oh, I love that one. Has a really cool section in it about um, weight loss. And in that section, they, they, tell, they provide a little example of, you know, imagine that you're in your really bad place, right? Where the, the place where you're overeating and you're just eating just to, to fill yourself up and to stuff the pain away and all that kind of stuff. And let's say you consider the idea of trying to change your pattern. And while you're considering it, you're thinking about, you know, I'd really like to go get some ice cream. And so you go to an ice cream parlor 
And as you go there, you realize there's two different things you could do. You could walk into that ice cream parlor, and this is what's so interesting about this example because it's so extreme. You could walk into that ice cream parlor and you could have, you could do that on 1,000 days and have 1,000 tubs of ice cream. And if you do that with a mindset that is positive, you won't gain any weight. And when I read that, I mean, that's not the exact quote, but that's the gist of what it said. When, when David and I read that, we, we had like a double take. Like, really? <laughs> and then I brought it up with Wendy, who had previously been talking about her, her um, Project B, B for body, meaning that uh, she, she's trying to apply the law of attraction to um, reduce her body weight and doing so successfully, by the way. Um, when I read that section to her, she said, you know, I read that before, and I bet you I skipped right past it because my mind said, yeah, well, that doesn't really happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, you know, something that's interesting to me, and and I've often wondered why it happened because of this whole idea, this idea, in other words, that if, if I think something is bad for me, then it's probably going to affect me in a way that I think it is, Mm -hmm. right? right? If I think that eating a tub of ice cream every day for a thousand days is going to pack on the weight, then it probably will. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Um, but you know, at one time in my life, I really wanted to get healthier, and so I had certain beliefs that, you know, eating a certain way was junk food and the like was not going to lend itself to me being healthier, and so I started eating healthier, and what that included over a period of time was I stopped eating meat, and I went from being a vegetarian, then to being a vegan and stopped eating animal products altogether. And the first six months I felt so great. I mean, my energy level was through the roof and I was just, I felt like a million bucks Mm -hmm. really. And so I kept eating that way because I mean, it was obviously the right thing to do. I felt terrific. I felt wonderful until I didn't. And Mm -hmm. I started to get sick Mm -hmm. and every doctor that I went to, And I went to some alternative medicine doctors as well, and they all had the same thing to say. They all said, well, it can't be your diet, so we're going to rule that out because your diet is so (laughs) clean. And it turns out after being really, really sick for about three years um, that after a lot of, you know, discovery and after a lot of research and trying to figure out what was happening, um, that my body needed meat. And it turns out there's something called the intrinsic factor that some people have and some people don't. It's the, it's the ability to turn vegetable matter into usable protein. And I didn't have it. And as soon as I added meat back into my diet, I, I got well so fast. It was unbelievable. And I mean, I weighed like 85 pounds. I mean, wow. I was really like everybody that loved me thought I was going to die. Yeah. My hair was falling out. My nails were breaking off. I was oh, in boy. screaming pain all the time. Wow. And so the reason why it's always puzzled me is because, and this is where it gets complex, right? Like we talked about earlier about complaining about things that are outside of the realm of your health can lead to health problems. We know that stress leads to health problems. It might always not, it might not seem connected, but for me, I was doing my best to, I'm making air quotes, but to be healthy and I really believed that what I was doing was creating better health for me because for a while it really seemed like it was. So 
it doesn't seem to me that there that it was a belief I was thinking, you know, like I I never had the thought, oh, you really need to eat meat. (laughs) (laughs) But it turns out that's the thing that helped. So it's just a puzzle. It is a puzzle. And and it 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 shows up in a lot of different ways. The one thing that I've noticed most consistently is that on those occasions where I'm I'm up against a wall like that. I mean, you were up against a really serious wall. Most of my walls aren't nearly that serious. But when I'm up against a wall and I'm trying to get my head wrapped around the idea that this wall I'm at, I created. I Somehow through my thought process, I got myself to the point where I am facing this wall. And the wall came because I attracted it. And when I'm when I'm in that place and I'm trying to kind of wrap my brain about that and, and get a feel for how that happened and not always know exactly how I'm, how I got there. I mean, that's a tough place to be in because you're trying to, you're trying to make sense out of stuff that is seemingly nonsensical. So the strategy I've adopted is this. I don't try to convince my brain to change my mind about all the things that I would really like to change my brain about. Because I realized as much as I have been developing my skills in this arena of deliberate creation and of focusing on one, on what I want and not on what I don't want and focusing on my healthy knee instead of my painful knee and so on, that, you know, all that kind of stuff. What I've been learning is I have come light years compared to where I was at but I've barely taken a tiny first baby step compared to where I can get to. And then when I look at it that way, I realize I just got a lot more growing to do. I've got a lot more learning to do. doesn't mean that I'm bad. It doesn't mean that I screwed up. It just means I, I got more learning to do. So I kind of try to be selective and I try not to worry too much about the ones that are seemingly outside of my reach because, okay, they're outside of my reach. And I don't worry about the fact that I can't figure out what the thought was that drove me to this thing. Because I realize there's too many too many damn thoughts. I can't track them all. Yeah. I just No, can't. and that's the point I'm getting to. When, when we're reading here that says, basically, you know, in a nutshell, look, if you, if, if you think something's bad for you, it is. Yeah. And if you think that this thing's good for you, then it can be. And that wasn't my experience, but I realize it gets a lot more complicated than that when you throw in the idea that our thought process is about things completely outside the realm of well-being will also affect our Exactly. <laughs> the whole picture. Like you said earlier, everything's connected, interconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can't, there's no way I can go back and pinpoint no. whatever thought I was having. I'm just happy that I'm well. Nor do you really need to, actually. I mean, you yeah, you may no. feel that you need to on some level, but I, I suspect at this point you really have realized, no, I, I don't really need to know what that thought was. No, I don't I don't believe I do. And and that's one thing I you know, a lot of times people want to find that. They want to kind of dig in mm-hmm. and find like what is the limiting belief that's causing that caused this to happen with me and and, and that's one of the things that I often say is it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean it's not important to hunt for limiting beliefs. Actually, because most of the time, hunt- I don't have a problem finding them. They're, they're, they're all over the place for me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, quite honestly, a couple days ago, I was 
I was in a mental space where I was trying to apply this stuff. I was trying to apply myself and recognizing just how abysmally I was failing at it. And it felt like there was this hemisphere of limiting beliefs all intertwined, blocking me like a glass ceiling. And I almost laughed at the idea of trying to figure out what they were because there were so many of them. Like, trying to pick one out, that was crazy. It was like trying to pick a drop of water out of an ocean. Why, why even bother with that? I got an ocean over me. You want me to go after a droplet? Really? <laughs> yeah, I think that sometimes we have one of those moments where it's like, oh my goodness, this is what I was believing. And we realize that it's limiting to us. And we, and we realize that we don't have to believe that anymore and that's great when that happens and it is great but i don't think we have to hunt for them right yeah in fact i think on those occasions where it feels like there are so many of them we're probably doing ourselves a disservice if we hunt for them oh yeah don't hunt for them yeah just this is the place where we point our focus at what we want (laughs) And, and we leave that part right and if i can't think about what it is i want then at least i try to think about what it is that i like what feels good? If I can't find what it is that I want, because I I get in that place a, a lot. I get into a place where I'm just so you know convoluted inside. I can't even remember what it is that I want. I can't even remember what it is that I was aiming for. I I've just gotten so tied up in knots that I I can't remember. But I can remember what it's like to feel good. So that's where I go for. Well, I think that's always going to produce something better. Yeah, it usually does. I mean, well, I mean, it's a really small step. And that's the thing that I think sometimes we don't recognize because we want to make a big leap. But it's the small steps that get us there. And sometimes it's as simple as that. It's that's, that very small step of what do I like? And, so and, what do you and think of- the quantum leap stuff is good. I mean, that's Wendy's specialty. She's really good on helping people take those quantum leaps and that's wonderful i think it's great i just don't think it's what you should do all the time i don't think she does either i think there are times where like you say it isn't more important to take that small step just a little step just to break this this negative pattern that i'm stuck in yeah i mean it's usually a really small shift that we need it just feel, you know it's sort of like somebody told me this one time and i always carried it with me i thought it was such a great example that you know that saying where people say they're so hungry they could eat a cow. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, or this was so funny. We were <laughs> we were to dinner the other night and we were eating sushi, and we were sitting at the sushi bar, and a few seats down from us there were these two um, women that came in that were having dinner together, and when the waiter put the platter in front of them of what they had ordered, it really was like enough food for six people. Oh, it was geez. just huge. And he was like elbowing me, like, look, look what they ordered. And I looked over and I just shook my head because I was like, no way. And I said, to him, I whispered to him, eyes bigger than their stomach. <laughs> well, give it about, you know, 20, 30 minutes. The waiter came over and I couldn't see their platter from where I was because the glass was in the way. I kind of lean over a little bit. So I couldn't see it. But the waiter said, how are you two dinner? How are you two doing? And the one woman said, oh, our eyes were bigger than our stomach. I just I started laughing because I said, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yep. So sometimes we feel like we could eat a cow, right? But all we really need is a meal. 
I was just remembering the first time I heard that. I was a young, young kid. I was probably three or four or five years old, something like that. And I heard someone say, I'm so hungry I could eat a cow. And I had just seen a cow for the first time. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> I mean, what those are big time? animals. I could barely, I'm a five-year-old who can barely handle a small hamburger. You want me to eat a cow? Really? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like that with the things we want in life. You know, like people will talk about wanting to make a million dollars. Okay. I mean, I don't have any problem with wanting to make a million dollars, but they're at a place where they don't have a job. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, or they want to lose a hundred pounds. It's like we can just make the shifts that will cause the small steps, the little shifts, which are so much easier, and then do it again and do it again. And then we get to that quantum leap before we know it. That's very but true. Sometimes we, sometimes we think we need a really big shift when a small shift would give us so much relief. And a small shift would be so much easier to accept or allow. It's all about allowing, right? That's right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. In fact, you're also making me think of something. You You talked earlier about how... I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but the gist of it was how hard it is to even conceive of the idea that our thoughts are the ones that are aging our body, so to speak, that, that uh, getting sick and dying and everything else like that is about our thought process. And, and how do you even come to grips with that? that? That's not what you said, but that was kind of the gist of what you were aiming at. And I've been thinking about this in the past. I've talked about on past podcasts, this idea that, well, since our thought processes are what are driving uh, the so-called aging process, then at least theoretically, it's possible to reverse that. And an interesting thing has come out of that so far. Now, I haven't, I can't say I've gotten real far with that thought process, but just by stating that a few times and just playing with it a little bit, a little bit over, a little bit at a time over time, I have actually noticed now the role that belief making plays because a belief is a thought we think over and over again, right? Well, right. I've thought that kind of thought a number of times now. And so when you said it, it's impossible or it's seemingly impossible, there was a part of me that's, that instantly replied, no, it's not. Now, I haven't figured out how to get there yet. But, but because I had repeated the thought enough times, I actually started to believe it was possible. It was possible to have my mind com- you know, keep myself from having my body deteriorating and well, turn myself that- into a healthy life. The part that I was pointing to that struck me was that it said it is only your thoughts yeah. that your body that your body responds to nothing else. Yeah, and, as but, a pers- yeah. <laughs> and as a person who was formerly a bodybuilder and right and I was like, well, <laughs> and and a person who has seen their body respond to the right food and the wrong food mm, obviously. Yeah. Um for me not that what what I need anyone else needs, but I'm like, well, I've watched my body respond to other things, but it's like you said, but the thought processes were were there. So there's like this thing in between. There's a disconnect, <laughs> yeah. On right? the one hand, on the other hand. <laughs> I mean, there were thought processes going on, and that's the part I need to remember. Yeah. Is that my my thought processes you know, it's like everything's happening in our head. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I mean, everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything we experience is in our head. So the thought processes were those beliefs that thought this is good for me. This is not doing these activities will produce muscle, whatever. I mean, it, it all really does come back to thought processes. But when you read it that way, this says your body responds to your thoughts and to nothing else. Hmm. <laughs> That's when I go, well, it feels like my body was responding to some things besides my thoughts. And once again, perspective makes all the difference because my, my perspective is, wow, my thoughts are the sole cause of what's going on with my body. That's it. That's pretty exciting, actually. It's both exciting and it's overwhelming because so far, I don't know how to change my thoughts in the way that change my body the way I want it to. I mean, I do, theoretically. But I mean, well, there, there's that experience of it that says, but I, I, I've never done that before. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. There we go right there with the, you know, theoretically. Oh, yeah. Because the other part is that we have what do they say? It's like 60,000 thoughts a day. <laughs> so this is like herding cats, right? I mean, <laughs> herding cats is actually easier. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So to say, oh, well, this is, this is easy, right? That's my, my sarcastic hashtag easy peasy. It's like, yeah, no, it's not really as easy. It might, might sound simple in theory, but to think that it's all in my control. If, if I can just round up, the correct thoughts mm. <laughs> i'm willing to try <laughs> well and that i think is the bottom line right there it doesn't matter what the results are that we get when we try we just have to be willing to try and just keep trying because the more that we try that's how i've gotten to the point now where the the idea that i could actually use my thoughts to extend my life and and you know basically build up my body to the where i want it to be and be completely healthy and have a wonderful lifestyle and all this other stuff that doesn't seem as impossible as it did the last time and doesn't seem as impossible as it felt the time before that. It, it has progressively gotten a little bit more believable every single time just by trying. Yeah. That's the thing is just being willing. Yep. And, and then there's also a second part. And that is because, you know, we aren't all laying on a bed plugged into the matrix, right? right. I mean, we we have a physical body which is good that, that, <laughs> that does things i mean so there's the inspired action as well that i think is important so we let our mind we teach our mind teach ourselves how to focus our thoughts how to be deliberate about thinking better feeling thoughts and then there's the point of inspired action there's the what do we feel inspired to do at that point because there is some doing um we are human beings but we are human beings that do things you know what's so interesting Whoa. to me about that because i think you're making a great point uh what's so interesting to me about it is that i really now believe that inspired action is almost nothing more than the current opportunity to try to try that thought that seems impossible and then or starts to become maybe slightly possible and then becomes slightly more possible and then at some point you get the inspired action and so you take the inspired action well that inspired action after that sequence of events is a way for you to try applying to try doing it anyway to try you don't know how it's going to work out 
You have no idea how it could possibly get there. It doesn't seem possible, but I'm inspired to do it, so I'll do it anyway. I'll do this thing that doesn't seem connected. But it yeah, is. that's what I was going to bring up as well. Is that so many times it does not seem connected to the to the outcome we desire. Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably the and hardest thing is letting go good. of that, letting go of the idea that it has to be connected, otherwise I can't do it. Yeah, it's usually not, but it always feels good. Yes, yes, that's right. That's how you know which one is the inspired action, right? It always feels inspired. Mm. I mean, just think about a time you've been inspired to do something. Because that was the other thing that confused me. I, I I didn't understand at first. Well, how do I know if it, I have three different possibilities? Which one's the inspired one? <laughs> yeah. It's the one you're excited about. It's the one that you exactly. suddenly have energy for. Yeah. That's what makes it inspired. Yeah. But I, I didn't know that at first. <laughs> well, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us do. <laughs> Not at first. It comes with practice. It does. It comes with trying. It comes with saying, yeah. you know what, I'm going to do this anyway, even though it's nuts. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that way. It does. Um, we got about two and a half minutes left, three and a half minutes left. I want to take a moment to remind people, because we didn't really do that earlier, did we? I want to remind people that if you are not yet a subscriber to the podcast, take a moment to do so. It's very easy. You just go to the homepage at LOAToday.net. The instructions are right there. It takes about a minute. It's free. And you get all these wonderful episodes coming to your to, to your, your iPhone or to your Android or tablet or whatever device you use. Um, and I know we keep saying it almost every show. We keep re reiterating the same commercial. It's probably gotten to be background noise for people, and I understand that. I know what background noise is like. I turned down the commercials. But hopefully you haven't turned down this one, and you can actually take the time to go do it. And it really does pay off. Because the people who are subscribers, they'll tell you. If, if those listeners could actually connect through and tell you, they'd say, it's worth it. And the way we know that it's, it's worth it for them is they keep playing episodes. Exactly. And we always hold our listeners in a space of success energetically. Yes. I feel like that's a bonus. It is, yeah. I hadn't really thought about <laughs> that way, but you're right, it is. It's a bonus for us and it's a bonus for them. So yeah, you, yeah. you guess what? You get to have the host hold, holding you in the highest possible place because I really do. I mean, I am so in awe of our listeners. I really am. I Well, first of all, because we have some. Right? <laughs> there was, there exactly. was a time where I had no listeners. To have listeners now is like, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> well, I think in the same way that I always tell my clients, look, like I want your success, right? I, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to have clients that that aren't getting successful results with me. Yeah, that'd Who be a drag. That? Yeah. Right? And the same for the listeners to the podcast is I want your success. I yeah. want you to be like wowed by all of the support you're getting from the universe. And hopefully that includes, you know, what you're getting from us. So Absolutely. it's a win-win. And in fact, uh, we've even had phone calls occasionally, you know, people calling into the show, telling some of their stories. And when that happens, I mean, we're on cloud nine for the next three days. Because yeah, so you can always thing. call in. We've oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the instructions for that are right on the homepage, too. At the same place, right right below where it describes um, how to subscribe, you'll also find right there how to connect to us on the Zoom platform. That's what we use when we do our podcast every day. So feel free to connect to us sometime. So, Cindy, this has been great. Two days, two, two times one day we got to do a show. I mean, I'm looking forward to doing that again next week. Well, yeah. And again tomorrow morning. Good grief, we get three? Oh my goodness. Well, then let's do it. I love it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, you're right. I love that we're doing it tomorrow. And we hope that you all join us next time tomorrow as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.